2: This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Zinzak.
0: Reach down between your legs and ease the seat back. No stop signs, no speed limits, nobody going to slow us down. You drive us wild, we'll drive you crazy. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. I am Eric Camaro, that's Chris Sinzak, and today we're putting the pedal to the metal. That's pretty impressive. You like that?
3: I do, because it's better than what I had. All I, have, <laughs> all I have was the wheels on the bus go round and round, and I ain't going to
0: do shit. So that's why you do the intro. Oh, one. man, that's, that was good, too, though. Yeah, the wheels on the bus, you can't go wrong with that one. Yeah, for the four-year-old contingent in our audience. <laughs> Well, awesome. Merry Christmas, man. Same to you. It's that time of year and, you know, gift giving and family togetherness and rock and roll. And we got together with a bunch of friends last week and went and seen Lita Ford. True. And talked to our new buddy, Bobby Rock, and was treated like superstars. And Quite a weekend. Woo! It was a good time. Yep, a lot of fun. Stay tuned for an uh, upcoming announcement that we're going to be back on. Well, I was on once already, but we're going to mm-hmm. be on it together the uh uh, off our meds podcast yeah
3: those guys were cool enough to let us come hang out and record with them while we were up in louisville and And took uh, us around showed us where to park town and right outside the body shop shop. (laughs) not a real body shop a gentleman's club called the body shop
0: yeah yeah eric daniel and metal mike you know keep your eyes open for that because that's coming up and then we went and talked to bobby rock we got big announcements coming up about that in the new year um if any fans will enjoy it yeah always busy on decibel geek this time of year always a lot going on of course next week we've got our big year in review for this year our our top picks of the year the best of 2016 if you don't know the writers at decibelgeek.com have already gone together and done their top 10 of 2016 Mm -hmm. and it's pretty neat the way they do it every year. Each writer does their own individual list, yeah. and then there's a point system, and then they add them up. Mm-hmm. and find we're out, geeks. You know? yeah, yeah, who is their <laughs> accumulative top ten, and uh, pretty interesting. Meg- Megadeth won.
3: Yeah. Oh, is that who the winner was? I believe overall? so. yeah, hmm. Overall,
0: yeah. but there was like a everything
3: from you know light melodic rock to yeah. folk rock to death metal on that list. I mean, yeah. we cover the gamut.
0: That's the diversity of our writers. You know, they're they're all over the world. They're covering all kinds of different stuff, and you can become a part of it. Just check it out at DecibelGeek.com. That's our our homepage. Mm-hmm. That's where it all originates from. Of course, this is the podcast that goes along with all that in case you didn't know there was a podcast that went along with Is all that stuff. Is there a podcast? Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Got to keep it going. Uh, we got a special treat for you today. You ever wonder what it, what it would it be like to be a bus driver for your favorite band? You know, you ever think about that, how cool it would be to work with one of your favorite bands or a bunch of your different favorite bands and go on tour with them? Well, today we're going to find out exactly how that feels as we talk to our friend Jeremy Owsley.
3: It was cool to have him over. We've wanted to have him on the show for a while. He listens to the show, but he's been doing professional tour bus driving for, what, 15 years, he said, I think? quite a while. And he's driven some real legends of of rock and metal, and uh, he had some amazing stories. And I'm still trying to get over the Danzig's tour bus story. Wow.
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty interesting stuff. You guys are going to get to hear all about that today as we hang out with Jeremy, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get to all that, of course, this is the Decibel Geek Podcast, so we got to take care of some business. And my favorite way to start the show, you know it i know it everybody knows it it's a sweet ass five star itunes review and boy oh boy do we got one today this is massive oh man this is going to be good revenge for all the times i laughed at you for having to read so much have fun all right well here it goes a little something like this comes to us from dave koska Says, I've discovered the Decibel Geek podcast about a year ago when Joey Allen shared the Dog Eat Dog episode. Nice, Joey Allen from Warrant. Yeah, I want to get him on the show. He says, I liked it so much that I went back in the archives to the very beginning and listened to all the shows in order. I am now finally caught up. Having listened to five years worth of shows in a span of just under one calendar year, while I do have a few fundamental differences in opinion with Chris and Aaron, the majority of my taste in music is perfectly aligned to theirs. I don't agree with the idea that late 80s era rock hasn't aged well. In parentheses, Who's, I, who's that a quote by? I don't by? think I said that. You say that about a lot of stuff. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. Okay. In your face. Um, on the contrary, he thinks that Aged is like fine wine. Mm -hmm. So when you say it hasn't aged well, Chris, that's not actually the case. Okay, keep going. He loves the slick and polished Desmond Child type production style.
3: Gee, who said they didn't like that?
0: Okay, see there. uh... (laughs) Back to the iTunes review. No, rock and roll doesn't have to be perfect, but I think it's better when it is. But aside from those minor philosophical differences, I am pretty much on the same page with 90% of the things Chris and Aaron say and think about music. I also grew up on 80s Kiss. Animalize was the current album when I first started to get heavily into the band. Mm. I really loved the Eric Carr slash Bruce Kulick eras. I don't think I have to apologize for liking the Crazy Nights album. That's right, you don't good rocks there you go i think that is in its own way 80s kiss was every bit as great as 70s kiss while they had an entirely different sound that redefined the band during the non-makeup years i think that both eras were equally great in their own way i agree with that Mm -hmm. i've enjoyed so many of the great interviews and albums unleashed episodes i think the year in review episodes are some of my favorites I understand how much time and effort goes into creating those, and I just want to say I very much appreciate it. Wow, thanks. So entertaining and fun to listen to. If I could please make a request for the theme of a future episode, would you please consider doing the heavier side of Bon Jovi? Absolutely. I don't know if Aaron agrees with me. Yeah, I guess. Why not? I realize Bon Jovi isn't exactly what you call a heavy band, but neither are the Beatles, and you did a heavier side of the Beatles, which I absolutely loved, by the way. I think that Bon Jovi, second only to Kiss on my list of favorite bands has been unfairly labeled as uncool by way too many rocker types whose taste is the same as mine for the most part. If needed, I would be happy to suggest tracks to fit the theme maybe throw it out there for consideration on the Facebook page and take some suggestions from other listeners as well. At any rate, love the show and look forward to new episodes every week. Keep rocking. That's a big, long, huge five-star iTunes review from our friend Dave Koska, That's how it's done. That's how it's done. You want to make me read a lot, just like Chris has to all the time? (laughs) That's how it's done. But no, that's great. I agree with so many of those points. And you know what? 2017 is a whole new year. It's the year of Bon Jovi. Heavier side of Bon Jovi. I'll do it. Let's do it. Why not? I love Bon Jovi. Let's Let's do do it.
3: it. Okay. We haven't done a heavier side of episode in forever, so. No, and every once in a while it comes
0: up and we mention a couple of bands, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bon they're That's... a good, they're a good candidate for it though. That'll be the next one. Okay, awesome. All right, uh, geeks of the week. These, if you're
3: new to the show, geeks of the week, basically share on Facebook, retweet on Twitter, the link that we put up to this episode, and I'll read your name next week on the show. Geeks of the week this week are Ian Wildly from Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, Jeremiah Furry, Greg McGlone, Joe Royland, sit and spin with Joe, Pierre Lorenzo, Adam Cox, David Glenn, Aaron Baker, Eric Moore, John Phillips, Brian Knapp, Kevin Williams, Brad Schick, Trevor McDougal, Wayne Cross. Stacey Sullivan, Colin Francis, Brent Tibbetts, Sean Cullen, Anthony Britt, Joshua Toomey from Talk Me Podcast, Paul Corn, Brent Cattell, Jason Gallinger, Mikhail Burrell, Greg York, Mark Alden-Taylor from the Freeform Rock Podcast, Andrew Jacobs, Chad Pollock, Dan Chapu, Justin A6, Cal Hens, Shane Aber, Rick Friel, Monty Carr, Derek Novak, Billy Hardcore, the Off Our Meds Podcast, Sean Franklin, Christopher Stokes, Joe Becht, The Rockin'
0: Donkey, Ernesto Aguiar, and the Mooger Fugger. Awesome. Those are all the people that shared and retweeted last week's episode, our conversation about Eric Carr Part 2 with our good friend Gary Corbett. Of course, thank you to Gary Corbett for coming on with us again, yeah. and thanks to everybody else that so much sat and listened to us, watch yeah, TV movies. with Gary Corbett. As Josh Toomey told us. Well, yeah,
3: yeah, listening to you guys is, watch TV is a lot of fun, I think was the way you put it.
0: But he said he still liked he it. He still
3: liked it, though. So yeah. I'm, glad we, I'm glad we're good narrators. <laughs> we should start doing sports play-by-play or
0: some shit. We can do some of that stuff for VIP. We've always talked about breaking out some little old VHS tapes and doing commentaries an like idea. that for VIP. So that's something we're probably going to start next year. And so. if you're not a VIP, sign up. Yeah, there's we got some really cool stuff going on for the VIPs right now. We just kind of switched over and made everything even easier for us everybody so check it out at decibelgeek.com or at patreon.com become a decibel geek vip because you get a bunch of extra stuff and it's a lot of fun absolutely so we ready for some tour bus tales grab the wheel put the pedal to the metal let's rock and roll with jeremy osley
1: talking about doing this for a couple of years now long yeah, time finally found the time where we could both we could all get together
3: here and you uh for those that don't know are a tour bus driver that's correct and uh as people know lots of interesting things take place on tour buses especially with the genre of <laughs> music that we cover and uh so it just seemed natural to get you in here to tell some stories and you don't have to name certain names you know some people just figure them out you know but um Let's start at the beginning. How do you get into being a tour bus driver?
1: Well, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Everybody, and I ask other bus drivers the same thing because it's always curious to see how guys get into it. Because it's not something anybody really ever sets out to do, they just kind of seem to fall into it. But for me, it came from my dad because my dad was a musician. Uh, he's actually a really well known pedal steel guitar player and mm-hmm. he's in the International Steel Guitar Hall of Fame and all but right What's he was his a musician. Name? Lynn Housley Yeah, my okay. dad's name. He got into bus driving through uh being a musician, mm-hmm. found his way over into bus driving and you know, he had been doing that since I was a little kid and he taught me how to drive a bus when I was a teenager. I could drive one, you know. And yeah. When I was a senior in high school I could drive one and park it and, and all that and but I played drums myself and always had a, a great love of music and, you know, I was really primed to be a musician, still do play a little bit, you know, yeah. back burner kind of stuff. But right. But anyway, uh, he was like, what are you going to do to make money now that you're getting out of school? And I was like, I hadn't even thought about it. It's like, being a musician is great, but you don't really <laughs> make a lot of money right away. So uh, he said, well, have you ever you know, thought about maybe driving a bus for a career? And I was like you know, that is really, really interesting and I can still do my music and I'll still be touring and I'll be meeting other musicians out there all the time. Right. right networking so Yeah. So I was very, very interested in doing it. I got my CDL at age 21 and got on the road that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, most bus companies and insurance companies will not even touch you until you're 25 years old. I really lucked out. My dad's boss welcomed me in and got me driving a bus and he's, the guy that pretty much invented the tour bus, uh, the the Calhoun twins down in Florida. Yeah, uh, they're famous. You guys may be aware of them through Randy Rhodes. Randy Rhodes died actually at my old boss's house. Oh, was
3: that was his house? Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. And then yeah.
1: they were in there getting some work done on the bus, and their bus driver was the pilot of that plane. No kidding. Took oh, them up yeah. for just a little. You know, they thought yeah, they were going remember, just for a little yeah. joyride and. Mm. And, uh, of course, you know, tragedy happened that, that day, but, um, but, you know, it, uh, back to the bus thing, it kind of got me going and I rode with my dad for pretty much a year and we would, we did, uh, country tours. I know, uh, when I was with him, my first tour was Reba and Brooks and Dunn. Wow. <laughs> it was actually the first, uh, big tour I was actually on and seeing all these, you know, big arenas. And, 90s. Late 90s. Yeah. Yeah, 1998. I still have my laminate. Oh, uh, wow. I save all my tour like laminates. I've got, got thousands of them, them by now, yeah. yeah. I've framed a couple of them. My Metallica one's framed. That was a huge career highlight. Like yeah. To in the tour with Metallica, so.
3: What tour did you do for them? Nice.
1: It was a little tour we called the Malenica, mm-hmm. uh, which started in uh, late December of 1999. And it was only 10 shows, but I was working at the time with an artist that was relatively coming up by the name of kid rock who was hmm. in 1999 he was still rapping pretty much yeah, doing the rap really rock thing at. at that time right? and uh but he had met lars ulrich and uh become really tight with lars mm-hmm. and uh we were working for kid rock a lot that year and uh he was very very welcoming of me and my career being brand new and riding with my dad and all and my dad was like, you know, I'd like to put him on his own bus, have him driving his own bus, but I need to find the right gig, the right artist that's got two buses that'll let me stay with him and in radio contact, you know? Mm-hmm. And Kid Rock was like, well, you know what? Hell, I'll do it. Let's do it. Let's roll. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, just a couple days after Kid Rock said that, the first day me and my dad met him, he was getting his bus worked on at Calhoun's Ranch. Uh, we were rolling with him right after that. Oh, wow. And, uh. He he became friends with Lars Ulrich, and the first day I ever met Bob, uh, being a kid, you know, trying to get out on the road, on always being a huge Metallica fan, the first thing I asked Bob Ritchie Kid Rock, we call him Bob, yeah, was uh, do you know Lars Ulrich? Uh-huh. And he's like, I met Lars in a bar in New York City one night, mm-hmm. and uh, but anyway, as the, the, as it progressed, he got to know Lars a lot better that year, right? And when we kicked off the Metallica Kid Rock tour, we started down in Florida. And the first show, I get there, and I get to the gig, and get my lamb, and I'm like, I'm actually on a Metallica tour. Wow. How yeah. long will, will I be on it before I finally get a glimpse of Lars? Right, yeah,
3: because you know it's got to happen
1: yeah. eventually. And yeah. I was standing outside Kid Rock's dressing room, which was that, that big stadium, the I think the Orange Bowl out of Miami. Uh-huh, the yeah. dressing rooms were like the portable trailers, you know? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I was there all of about five minutes, and here comes Lars Ulrich, walking through the bushes and he was eating a plate of I think it was fruit salad or something he's <laughs> he was walking through the bushes because there were some people in front of Kid Rock's dressing room that I guess Lars didn't want to be bothered by or something so he was avoiding them by going the long way through the bushes uh-huh. and then up the stairs in the Kid Rock's dressing room I was like well there was my first glimpse of Lars and he's like walking <laughs> through the bushes eating <laughs> the plate of, and uh so just want to be left alone yeah he went on the stage and did his show that night and uh, he came off and bob was sitting there bob was like jeremy did you get to say hi to Lars yet and i was like well no i saw him earlier but i didn't get a chance to say hi to him bob was like come on we go over to the dressing room and kid rock like opens the door and walks around large is still wearing his robe from the stage <laughs> and he's sitting down in his chair in the corner by his wardrobe case and yeah. bob just comes walking in there and bob's like "Lars, you gotta say hi to my boy jeremy here and large gets up and comes over to greet me and shake my hand and I was a nervous wreck and probably like shaking even when I shook his hand I was like hi Lars uh, Jeremy Owsley from Nashville Tennessee and he shakes my hand and he goes oh hey man how are you um, Lars Ulrich from fucking Copenhagen Denmark that's a good I'm <laughs> <laughs> And we, we got along great. Uh, hey, fucking Copenhagen, man. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly how he talks. So oh, yeah. I, I do an imitation of him, and, and guys love it. They make me do it all the time. Uh, <laughs> Dave Mustaine even told me I was really, really good, and then I had him down. Oh, really? I was like, I'm so fucking ready to just go out and do something, you know? I want to shake shit up, you know? <laughs> fucking bring back Arena Rock, man. <laughs> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Oh, that's great you, just, you, say, you didn't look at Dave and go you know Dave you're fired man <laughs> I, didn't,
3: I, didn't to, I didn't really want to bring up those kind of memories yeah here. probably not no. yeah that's just me having, <laughs> yeah. a, fun, having a laugh Yeah, but uh, so also I get the impression you grew up a big Metallica fan
1: it's huge it yeah. was huge for me I and I had met Lars a time or two before but never really had a significant meeting or hang out with him like I did on that tour yeah and uh, he was always very very nice to me uh He's kind of famous in a lot of circles for not being so nice to fans sometimes. But I don't think it's that. I think he just gets very, very sarcastic with people. Mm -hmm. And uh, the real deal fans, I think he sees right through it and he welcomes them. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot of the posers that ask him the same silly questions. Like, you're such a good drummer. And he's just like, you lose his interest. He's like, okay, next, you know. Because Lars has always said, uh, I'm not a drummer. What my job in as Metallica is to play the drums, but I'm not a drummer. Don't call me a drummer. <laughs> you know? He's very self-deprecating. Yeah. No. Yeah. And he he's never really, definitely never really talked up his own drumming skills. No. He definitely has his strengths and his weaknesses. Um, recording wise, he always turns in a solid record. Yeah. Uh, live, sometimes his meter's a little up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, but the guy is great. His drum his drumming on the records, he comes up with some great drum parts that just oh, blow me away how good some of them are like Death Magnetic record All Nightmare Long yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, even the new record he's, he's playing his ass off yeah, I'm of really was very yeah. impressed with it yeah
3: yeah I've been yeah. I've really enjoyed the new one and, me too, uh, me too. It. it's I
1: in like my car it. right now I'm still right, three uh, weeks out I'm still studying it pretty hard so uh,
3: it's grown on me I mean I, yeah. I, there, there's five fantastic songs on it and then there's some where I could kind of I kind of go back and forth on them but um but no, I mean it's among the best stuff they've done since the Black Album, easily. But uh, so I mean, so touring with Metallica and it was only a ten-day tour, so you, did you have interactions with the other guys too.
1: Absolutely, uh, ten-day tour. Uh, Jason Newstead was still in the band; it was very close to his exit. It was. It was. He was in his last year. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Kirk Hammett. I remember a couple of hotel room hangs where uh, there were some late nights, uh, a lot of drinking, a lot of good times. Uh, yeah, we we stayed. Uh, in minneapolis for four days and it was snowing and we had to do a show at the target center then they had to load completely out of the show mm-hmm. for a day off because the wwe came in to do a show mm-hmm. so then we loaded back in but for me being a bus driver it was super easy because i didn't have to do anything oh, for yeah. five days just right five out. days of hanging out with metallica yeah you're just parked right <laughs> and, and lars gets a limo one night we all go to rick's cabaret with uh, about maybe 10 people he invited, Kid Rock and some of Kid Rock's circle, and I was one of the ones that got nice. invited. Right on. And uh, I remember we were waiting on the limo out front of the hotel, and I'd just come back from the movies. Mm-hmm. And we were all getting into the limo, and Lars was like, well, you're coming with us. And I said, like, okay, but I'm wearing, it's January, and I'm wearing a short-sleeved shirt out in front of the hotel, and I didn't have time to run in and grab my jacket. But Lars was like, would you put on your coat? You're like making me cold. <laughs> but we, we end up piling into this limo and going to Rick's Cabaret in Minneapolis, and we have the VIP room in the back yeah, where Lars yeah. had set up, and we're all back there, and there's this girl that comes and performs uh, a nice, lovely lap dance for me, and Lars had a stack of money, and told, him, "Take care of this guy, and I was like, wow, all the money I've spent? <laughs> When I was a kid buying this guy's stuff, now some of that money started to come back. Yeah. Right,
4: uh, I knew that.
1: Yeah. It was an investment. Totally. And, and one of the weirdest things about that night was I went to the uh, the men's room, and we were in a VIP room uh-huh. away from the, uh, the crowd. And as I'm coming down to go to the bathroom, I come into the main uh, ballroom there at the club, and James Hetfield and uh, his assistant are sitting at a table down front. Just watching the girls there, but they're not, they don't have a big crowd or big entourage with them. They're just, I was like, oh, okay, that's strange. He's not back here partying with Lars, yeah. but they like their space. I kind of get yeah. that now, I, you know. Yeah, they've worked And I go to the long. men's room, and James comes in there, and he's on the urinal beside me. We're both uh, on the two urinals there, and I was like, well, do I say something to James? And I kind of knew him a little bit too, not super well or nothing, but I think he probably knew I was with the tour. Right. Yeah. And while we're sitting there, I just kind of told him, I said, hey, uh, Large and Bob and a whole bunch of us are, are back here in the back room if you guys you know, mm-hmm. want to come up there and join our party and all. And James was just like, yeah, I think we're fine where we're at. You know, yeah. He was nice. He wasn't rude about it. But I could tell, I guess, James and Large just hanging out for them. That, they were getting ready to have their big blow-up that everybody yeah. saw. Well, yeah, because around that time. Mo- t- yeah. It was very turbulent times in that camp. Yeah, very much the so. timing yeah. of that,
3: you could tell. Yeah, they probably were not big friends at the time. I
1: remember Kid Rock flew one of those nights on the private jet with them. And Mm. he said it was so strange. He goes, those four guys get on that plane and they go to the four furthest corners of that plane. They can get away from each other and and they're just totally into their own things. Like Mm. people are reading magazines. Some guys got headphones. But he just said there's no real interaction or anything. It was just. uh,
3: So was Jason kind of withdrawn at the time um, because he was on his way out of the van?
1: You know he he was in his last year because he quit a year later, January two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jason was still Jason. He was still the mm-hmm. fan guy. They would do the fan club meetings, and Jason would be the only band member that would show up oh. for him and sign <laughs> the, the ambassador the for Metallica. Yeah. And he was for many many years. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my dad, being the uh, pedal steel guitar player, uh, James Hetfield owns a pedal steel guitar. Mm-hmm. He played it on uh, a track called "Mama Said" on the Load Records. That's and uh my dad set up his steel in Kid Rock's dressing room one night and they were just having a big jam out. Mm-hmm. And James came up there for that. And I have this on my at home on videotape. I had an old eight millimeter camcorder I would take on the road sometime. I still have this on film, Hetfield, watching my dad play steel guitar and my dad kinda giving him a little bit of a lesson on it and yeah. uh it was so funny. Kid Rock was playing on it. He was trying to do a song, Ball With a Ball, on it. Yeah, yeah. And James comes over to him and he goes, you can't play metal on that thing, man. I've tried. You just can't do it. <laughs> and I was like, how cool is that? I had Phil sitting there telling him, you just can't do That's, it. Man. So there's probably a lot of moments, like
3: especially on that tour, where you're just like,
1: is this really happening? Totally dream. Yeah. Totally dream state, dude. I, I uh, We did ten shows on that little leg there, and I was at eight of the ten. Uh, the biggest show and the whole reason for the whole tour was New Year's Eve in Detroit at the Pontiac Silverdome. Nice. I'll never forget that show because I had planned on going to that show in October of '98 when it was announced. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna at the Millennium, I'm gonna be with Metallica. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna do. I'd never even heard of Kid Rock by this time. Yeah, he was coming kind of. But as it, yeah. my career path progressed, I ended up being on that tour and at that event. Wow. Ted Nugent played that night. The band Seven Dust was also on the bill with us. They were fresh, right out of the gate. They're on their second record. Um, super nice guys, mm-hmm. real Southern boys. And I've always been a fan of their stuff. I don't know if you guys like. Oh them. yeah, like yeah, yeah, Dust, yeah Great Three times I, Live, yeah. Absolute great drummer, Morgan Rose. Super nice guys. So much fun to tour with. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ted Nugent that night, he came and played. I remember one of the stage hands getting mad because they had to rush to reinforce the stage because they were like. Ted's going to ride out on a live Buffalo. So we had to, <laughs> they had to, they had to go and, and reinforce the stage that day. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, and, wow. And oh, I remember shit. our runner, like our tour manager sent our runner home because she had such a bad attitude about being there that day. And USA Today had said that was the second worst event to be at for the Millennium was the Metallica concert in Detroit. <laughs> and... Uh, I can't, somebody asked me recently, well, what was number one that year? And I was like, I don't know. I need to Google that and see. Yeah. But for the, all the events happening around the world for the yeah. Millennium USA Today said number two, Metallica in Detroit was going to be the worst. Wow. <laughs> oh,
0: what kind of Well, history? of course they would fashion. say that. We, yeah. we had
1: a great night. And, and in fact, uh, another funny story about that night was back in Kid Rock's dressing room after the gig that night, about 1 a.m. in the morning or so, we're back there. And Kid Rock had his family out, his mama and daddy and sister and all and, very nice people. First time I'd ever met any of them.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: But we were sitting there and Lars and Lars's wife at the time, Skyler, they were in Kid Rock's dressing room hanging out too. And they were getting ready to leave. And, and I asked Kid Rock, I said, Bob, can you hook me up a photo with Lars before this tour ends? It doesn't have to be tonight or now, yeah. but before the tour ends, mm-hmm. I would really love a pic- I've met the guy a few times. I've been my hero. I'd love to get a picture with him. Mm-hmm. And Lars had walked out of the room but he hadn't really left, he was still in the hallway there and Bob was like, well let's just do it right now, mm-hmm. and he goes, Lars get back in there, Lars like peeks his head back and he goes, you gotta do a picture with, with my boy Jeremy, <laughs> and Lars was like, yeah man, cool, not a problem, so puts his arm around me, I had a little Kodak disposable 35mm camera yeah, that I yeah, bought, yeah, yeah. I didn't really have a nice digital camera at that time, and uh, Kit Rock was like, well who's taking your picture, and there wasn't really anybody in close, to so I was like, you are so I handed my camera to Bob, and Bob's like, "All right, I got this." So I step back to Lars, and we do a photo together. And uh, a girl in the hallway asked Lars for his autograph, and he signs this autograph for her, and he signs it Lars ninety nine.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And Kid Rock was like, "Dude, it's not nineteen ninety nine anymore." And Lars was like, "Oh shit!" So he circles out the <laughs> he circles out the nines, and he puts zero zero. And then he said, well, that's the first autograph I've done of the millennium. And then he told me, and he goes, and you got the first picture of the millennium. That's nice. true. So I was like, I didn't even think about it. I was like, yeah, oh, I guess he's right. I guess I did get the first picture with it. <laughs> that's cool. But and he got I gave him my business card, and he got a kick. My email address is fanolars, P-H-A-N-O-L-A-R-S, yeah. com. But he was like, kind of, oh, okay, cool. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you mentioned the lineup of that show they played Detroit Rock City that night, didn't they? And I'll tell you another thing about I that. I used to have a bootleg of that.
1: In Kid Rock's dressing room, James Hetfield was chewing his ass out because they gave Kid Rock a verse that he flubbed on and didn't know the words to, and uh-huh. James Hetfield was like, you're Kid Rock. <laughs> you're the Motor City madman of the new millennium. You don't know the words to Detroit Rock City? Wow. And I remember Hetfield totally slamming his That's ass over that. Yes, he did. Uh, <laughs> you're Kid Rock, and you don't know the words to Detroit Rock City? you got to be kidding me. That's funny. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that was one of the... Good <laughs> point. You guys being the KISS fans would remember that. Well, I almost uh, forgot about that. That Do you know what
3: the funniest irony of this all is? I downloaded that bootleg off of Napster.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, sorry Lauren. <laughs> i'm a, being a huge Lars fan i did support him through that battle and, and oh, he was totally right yeah oh absolutely <laughs> he wasn't and i was all all about it and i took a lot of beatings from him and i remember the way the old uh, aol chat rooms and all were. Uh, people right. would see my name fan of Lars and would look at my profile and see i was a huge Lars fan and I just would have to do battle with people mm-hmm. on a damn daily basis over uh, yeah. it. He was the most hated guy in rock and roll. For Absolutely, a while, he and... was. He was. He said uh, one night he was when he went to Washington D.C. to face Congress. He said. David Letterman was cracking jokes about him. He said, so I changed the channel to Jay Leno and then Jay Leno <laughs> cracking, cracking jokes <laughs> wow. about him. He said I was the most hated man in rock and roll. But, he totally yeah, was. Yeah.
3: But Yeah, I downloaded that bootleg off of Napster.
1: People That's were funny. steamrolling Metallica <laughs> records in the, in the street. It, it, yeah. yeah.
3: But yeah, he he was completely right. And he, he yeah. was
1: and, and and a lot of people had his back but he, one of the things he was really upset about was, was nobody would take the fight public with him no no he right. said all these bands were like you go man you got our support he said like, well come with me and then everybody was like Say oh oh no no, no, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah we don't want to be hated. you're doing a good job
3: of being the punching bag Lars we'll just let right. you just take care of that for him yeah like
1: Taylor Swift last year <laughs> came out about all that stuff Apple not paying musicians mm-hmm. proper royalty yeah, rate genius and then I Apple's buy. like "We yeah okay we hear you mm-hmm. Taylor Swift and they, they started saying they were going to do all these things to make musicians happy and I go she just did what Lars Ulrich did 15 years ago and people hated him for right. forever and yeah you're totally right she she did this and everybody just praises her but Lars did the exact same thing 15 years earlier and took a beating for he it
3: totally did yeah yeah that's true mm-hmm. so um, you grew up a fans fan I'm guessing you also grew up a Megadeth fan. I did. So it was a, another surreal thing to tour, and you just got done touring with Megadeth. I,
1: 2016, I did the whole Dystopia uh, US leg of Megadeth. Mm-hmm. Nice. Had a great experience with them. Uh, I started driving the crew bus last uh, February when the tour started. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple days into the tour, I guess a week or two into the tour, I still not really had a chance to get a proper introduction to Dave which being a huge fan I had actually met him a couple times through the years but didn't know him well and we were in uh, St. Paul Minnesota this past winter and had the day off so I walked to a Jimmy John sandwich shop which was directly across the street from the uh, hotel we were staying in and I got me a sandwich and I'm sitting in there alone and uh, a few moments later Dave Mustaine comes walking in and it's You know, still cold weather, he's wearing his Patagonia jacket, and he's got his hair all up in a knit hat, Mm -hmm. and he's completely alone. No bodyguards, no managers, no assistants, completely alone. He comes in and gets a sandwich, and like I said, I still had not really met the guy yet, but he had waved at me one day. So he knew who I was, Mm -hmm. knew I was on the tour, and he gets a sandwich, and I was totally blown away by this. He comes walking over to my table and just sits down with me at Jimmy John's at my table <laughs> like we've been friends for 20 years, and I've right, never really right. even properly been introduced to him. Yeah. And we get striking up conversation, and super nice guy, very friendly, um, and we get to talking about things. And one of the big things in the news then, you guys might remember, was Philip Anselmo was in a lot of trouble for his white supremacy <laughs> remarks. <laughs> yeah. And this yeah. was like a week or two after all that news had just hit. We yeah. Would, he was telling me some stories about Pantera and how they were kind of rivals in the day and was asking me, you know, he goes, do you know, and I go, I've met all the Pantera guys. I go, my dad actually was good friends with Daryl and Vinny's dad. Mm-hmm. So, that uh, makes sense. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, did a, I did a drink of Crown Royal with Don when I was about 17. Wow. Me and Josh Toomey. Yeah. Together from Talk To Me podcast. Yeah, I t- told him
3: that you were coming on the show and he was like. I did
1: too. Yeah, he I was don't. like. That dude's got stories, man. He's yeah. like, he's yeah. like, you'll have, have fun I, talking to him. Him and I grew up together. Uh, and and a great, great guy. I've known him since I'm two years older than him. I'm 40, so he's 38. <laughs> yeah, I was in my freshman year of high school. I guess he was still in eighth grade. He was wearing a Kiss shirt the very first day I ever met him. That's <laughs> totally Josh Tooby. Uh, super nice guy. We grew up together. Became musicians. One of my first real bands. We were in high school. Was yeah. Him and I together. We share, had
3: a, share the name. We
1: had a punk rock band called Crack Baby. I guess he's told me <laughs> spelled with a K. Spelled with a K. <laughs> <laughs> and we did a, our Kiss fans And right. we did the second K backwards. Like and corn? actually, this was right before Corn even hit. Oh yeah. really? We kind of were on that on that kind of bandwagon. So oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, we had we had the best of times. We had a really really good time. It was a lot of fun. Him and I went to a bunch of shows together when we were kids, just seeing these bands, you know, uh, these bands that we liked that would come to town. Mm-hmm. We had a great venue in Nashville at that time called 328 Performance Hall. i been there many I played it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's gone now. It's where our yeah. lovely Hampton Inn stands downtown. Yeah, that is where the Hampton is. It, it is, is yeah.
3: yeah. So I saw Ace and Peter there. That's where I met Peter Chris. Yeah, it was... Wow. I saw Marilyn Manson there. Did you ever get backstage there? Oh, Um, many times. Do You remember the the bathroom with all, where everyone signed the walls Mm -hmm. in the bathroom? Yeah. The bathroom, Uh whoever, whenever they tore it down, whoever tore down the bathroom, I hope they kept the the walls from the bathroom.
1: I have a brick from there. Do you? I drove by there, I guess, right after it had been demolished and it was just a pile of bricks. And I went right by where the backstage door was looking for maybe one of the signed bricks or something, but I couldn't find one sign, but I did find one fully intact brick and I right. said I'm keeping this that, for 328
0: do you remember so, the metal door to the back to yeah the back it alley. says Pantera Is did this Pantera did this on the fifth round. Right yeah. wow 328
1: memories. <laughs> I remember me and Josh Toomey standing by very very many tour buses out there seeing some great bands that I loved in that day in the yeah. mid 90s yeah, uh, yeah you
3: made out better than me when we hung out in that back alley we just got harassed by uh, drag queens from the jungle next door <laughs> Yeah. true story.
1: That's I really very true. Our singer. Yeah, that's very true. I remember one night at an Anthrax show, I went out back to take a leak by the dumpster, and I was peeing in an empty Budweiser beer box. And while I was peeing in the inside this box, a rat came crawling out of it. Oh. And I have a terrible phobia of mice and rats. I'm like running back inside the club trying to zip up my pants and not getting anything, to stop caught in the at zipper. the same time. Yeah, exactly. Because I was running. And I was telling Joey Z from Life of Agony, I was like, man, I just peed in that box by that dumpster and a rat jumped out of it. And Joey's like, oh yeah, we got them fuckers all over Brooklyn. You know, them rat, them fucking things are everywhere.
3: (laughs) Another day at the office for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I didn't mean to get into a tangent about 328, but, um, but no, well, back to Megadeth. So how do you end up getting that gig?
1: Well, uh, the company I worked for, we had the Megadeth account for the year and, um, I, had, I developed a great relationship with Dave after our day at Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson. Jones. He was really cool. The, uh, the last day of the tour, he had this hat that a, a fan had made them a couple of ball caps with the Megadeth logo in red and white just like the Donald Trump hat and it says "Make making metal great again
0: nice like and that. he only
1: had a handful of them but <laughs> he had a different driver driving in that tour uh-huh. and, and it was a guy he really liked a lot a guy named Chocolate a good friend of mine but he gave Chocolate one of these hats to goes see to it Jeremy gets this hat mm-hmm. very cool and I was like how nice is that that is so cool and then I I did the spring tour with him and hung out and then finally this last uh, run we just did with Metal Church mm-hmm. and Suicidal Tendencies yeah, and Monomar yeah. Yeah and uh, Butcher Babies. The last run we did, I drove Dave and the band. They all ride on one bus together with the, you know, bedroom layout in the back for Dave. And, uh, I drove, drove him this last tour and we got along terrific. He, uh, he, he can be a difficult man to please, but, uh, he seemed to really like me a lot. And, uh, there was, there was one morning, he come up front, and uh, we had a long drive. We run away into Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. But he's like, "Man, I'm really hungry. Do you think we can stop somewhere and get some breakfast?" Mm. And I was like, "Well, sure, man. Anywhere mm-hmm. you want." So, he he likes Wendy's breakfast sandwiches, but we never could find one open. All the Wendy's we found were just uh, lunch. Yeah, Yeah, just lunch. So, uh, we went into a Burger King one morning, and uh, while we're standing there at the counter waiting on our sandwiches, you know how Burger King has those little paper crown, the yeah, paper yeah, crowns yeah. that the kids. <laughs> <bring them? laughs> yeah. Dave saw one, and just being the big kid that he really is, he just had to wear it. That so he works. got it, put it on, and I was just taking pictures of him posing with it. And it totally reminded me of something that I was glad I brought up to him because I think it really impressed him was Megadeth did a track called Kill the King. I don't know if any right. of you guys remember yeah, that. Yeah. It's a great song. Good song. Yes, Kill the King was never actually on a Megadeth record. It was on the live album, and That's it was right. on the Greatest Hits record. Yep. Yeah. But I was talking with him, I go, Kill, kill the king the king is dead and he was like kind of shocked that I even he gave me this look his eyes were this big and uh, we were talking about drummers and all and and, and I said that was uh, Jimmy DeGrasso did the drums and he goes yeah. yeah he goes you're right that was Jimmy DeGrasso and he's like giving me this look like this guy knows his stuff knows his stuff right on and uh, yeah <laughs> we, were, we were talking and all and uh, you know we got news on that tour that nick menza had passed away oh, yeah. which was a huge idol and influence to me as a young sure. man i got to meet him right here in nashville at municipal auditorium got his yeah. autograph even cool uh very friendly guy very nice guy always loved his stuff always really deeply hoped that one day i would see him back and make it, me out. Too. You know, it, it i love very him. sad yeah, that, that it that it's never going to happen now but Dave said he made his made his piece with Nick right there in that last year. So
3: I'm glad to hear that.
1: I am too. And being on tour with him when that news broke, I, I just could not believe it. And yeah. Dave come down to the bus and he's like, did you hear about Nick? And we were all just, yeah, it was a very, very somber day for Dave. He was really quiet and reserved that day. And then when he hit the stage that night, I heard it just came out. They they dedicated, uh, was it Tornado of Soul? He dedicated one of the... Songs from "Rest in Peace" went to Nick that night, and they yeah. did a moment of silence for him. Um, and I know Dave has done a lot to help the help the family. He oh, was, uh, they did a benefit and all, and for Nick's boys. And and I know Dave was all about helping uh, helping Nick out. So, right. so I know he, he really did have a have a lot of love for him. You know, being musicians and touring and making history together. Absolutely, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, yeah,
3: that from arguably their peak was Absolutely. You know, he was in that band so that's yeah. true and I know I think they had, they had made inroads at looking into doing the reunion yeah. of that lineup it just didn't pan out
1: it, yeah exactly it was it was really sad because to me always it was Nick Menza was a Megadeth drummer yeah Absolutely. I saw in 2005 I was in Cleveland Ohio and I went and saw them with Sean Drover mm-hmm. and uh, not to slam Sean Drover or anything but there were some people waiting out bag wanting autographs and Sean come out this morning, and I was like, Oh, Sean, can I have your autograph? And Sean was walking to the bus and he was like, Real quick, man, real quick and like sign an autograph while he's running to the bus and I was like, What a jerk. Yeah. I was like you're not a Megadeth drummer. Yeah. Nick Menza is a Megadeth drummer, dude. I was like, don't show me this kind of ego and attitude yet when right. you haven't done nothing yet. Right, man. you uh, just got here. Exactly, and I even like did not like his performance. I thought he was dragging the songs because mm-hmm. he's a left-handed drummer, but he plays a right-handed drum setup, meaning he plays open arm like this. Yeah. And, I, and when just, I first saw him, I was like, he's dragging the songs, but people said, no, he really isn't dragging the songs. Just Dave sometimes has changed tempos live. Mm. and he said he really was he was probably doing the best he could you know yeah. and sean drover's a great drummer i totally didn't mean to I think slam him he's a really I, nice guy i've met him and hung out with him a few times he's actually a very nice guy and, and a fabulous drummer so i'm not totally slamming no no, sean. no and
3: i remember an interview with him when about when he about how he got that gig and you know how it panned out and he had something like two days to learn the entire set and then he he yeah. was on stage
1: with them. Exactly. Oh,
3: wow. There was, like, no rehearsal time at all. Exactly. He was like, okay, yeah. I'll see you on the stage. He's like, what? You want me to learn all this and we're not yeah. going to rehearse? Nope, I'll see you on stage.
1: Yeah. He pretty so. much performed a miracle. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Megadeth yeah. stuff is not easy to play. Not at all. No. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I've, got, I've dusted off my drums. I've got behind yeah. my kit and doing the intro to Take No Prisoners. Like, yeah. Uh, sweating bullets. I've been just kind of practicing, like... Maybe if uh, Dave ever needs a drummer, I can be that guy because I'll yeah, be there that one yeah. day. Yeah, you never know. The, uh, the drum tech from Metal Church, uh, Richie, is a really mm. nice guy. And I asked him if I could have a picture behind the kit. They had it set up, the Metal Church kit. Yeah. And it was backstage there. And I was like, can I get a picture behind him? And he's like, yeah, sure, man. So I jump up behind the kit and perfect timing right as I'm back there. Here comes Mustaine walking down the hallway seeing me playing behind oh, no. the kit. And Mr. Day's like, hey, dude, are you my new drummer? And I was like, yes, sir, I'm your man. <laughs> if you need me, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm right here, Dave, I'm ready to go. And uh, he, he smiled at me as he walked on by. But, but uh, yeah, it, it was a great show. The Metal Church guys, I don't know if you guys are fans, but oh, I was yeah. always a huge fan. I saw the Metal Church 2.0 lineup with Metallica here at Starwood in 1992. Nice. Right, well. And, uh Mike Howe, the lead singer, is now back in the band. Yes. He's in great shape. He he looks great. He sounds even better yeah, than they got a new has. album. Their on. album's on And a it lot is of doing so listening. good. Yeah. yeah. It is so good. New video just came out last week for Needle and sulter. I think it's Rat Pack Records that's behind them. And they are
3: they've put a good push to them. Like, Absolutely. They actually getting pretty good exposure, at least through the internet, you know, which Absolutely. is all that really matters these days
1: anyway because there's no MDV they were great guys I hung out with that whole band I got to know them all really well I had the code to their bus I could just go hang out on their bus anytime I wanted right on that's cool Uh, Kurt Vanderhoof super nice guy Uh, him and I had a couple of really great conversations one day and towards the end of the tour we were in uh, Newark, New Jersey and I was sitting at the table with him and catering and uh, this little bitty guy comes walking in and I'm seeing this guy and I'm totally staring at that because I'm like wait a minute where do I know that little bitty dude from? And he comes in, he sits down with Kurt, and Kurt turns to me and goes, Jeremy, you've been like a big Metallica fan that you know. Do you know Michael Lago? And I was like, holy crap, that's who that guy is. I know you look familiar. You'll have to. Michael Lago is the uh, the rep from Electra that signed Metallica. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Super nice guy, still, I guess, up in the New York City area there. And. Uh, wow, that's, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I meet him, uh, I met him, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Kurt hooked me up a picture with him. Uh, on my Facebook page, you guys and your fans are more than welcome to come to my Facebook page oh, yeah. and we'll look at my it, photos. We'll yeah, link it totally. in the show
3: notes here. Absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. And of course, uh, and Ron could maybe use this one for one of the video episodes. Yeah, and we sure. put those on the YouTube Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, help yeah. yourself. Yeah. Stuff to look at. But, uh, so, what are some of the other rock and metal bands
1: you've, you've worked with?
3: You I have a list uh, in front
1: of you here. Yeah, one of my things, uh... That's kind of cool. Is a band called Paramore that's right here from yeah. Nashville. Are you guys uh, familiar with that? Sure.
0: Female lead singer, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Haley. Uh, yeah, yeah When
1: they left the van and came to a tour bus for the first time, I was their first bus driver that welcomed them into big-time rock and roll touring. Right now, That's cool. And they were all kids. Uh, Haley was 15. They were all very, very young, and they were so good, so well-behaved. I was thinking, okay... As soon as we get on the road and away from the parents, oh, we had a chaperone cool. and a tour manager, but I was like, they're going to get wild as soon as we get away from the folks. But you know what? They never really did. They were very well behaved, very nice and respectful. Uh, I got along great with them. Mm-hmm. I was the only bus on the tour, so I didn't have any other bus drivers to hang out with, and it was a very small tour. My boss is telling me, these guys are going to be huge. Mm-hmm. You need to hang with them. And I kind of wasn't really believing it, but then once I got out there, we're playing these clubs, but... There were kids lining up at 5 o'clock in the morning outside these clubs. And I was like, "Hey, my boss might... There was something about these kids. Maybe they are yeah. going to take off. And they did take off in the... They put my name in their record, the Riot record, which was one of their really big ones. They put my name in there. you got to have a magnifying glass to read it. Jeremy sure. Owsley, the best bus driver on the planet. I was like, how cool is that? That's super and cool. I went into Best Buy, and they didn't tell me they were going to do it. But I bought the record the day it came out because mm-hmm. I wanted to help them get a good sure. push, you know. So I went and bought the record, Haley's mom said, buy it at Best Buy, because you get a bonus track if you get it at Best Buy. Mm -hmm. So I go to Best Buy, and I open up the record and see my name in there, and I'm super excited. I'm like telling complete strangers about it in the record store in Best Buy. This is me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's me. That's me. (laughs) I
1: I was so excited about that.
2: And now, Deep Thoughts with Dave Mustaine.
0: Oh, you.
2: Every village has its asshole, and you're it. See, that's what happens
5: when cousins
2: fuck. Want to be a member of the Decibel Geek Army?
5: You slimy scumbag, get on your face and give me 25.
2: Join us on our fan page at facebook.com slash decibelgeek.
0: Always a lot of fun hanging out with our friend Jeremy Owsley, but we're gonna get right back to our conversation with him in just a minute. Of course, Christmas is only a few days away, and I know some of you out there probably are scrambling right now to figure out what to get those those last minute people in your lives, your lives, you know, what are you gonna get them for Christmas? You're you're running out of time, you know, it's it's almost here. But the cool thing is, is nowadays with Amazon, you can get your stuff shipped next day if you have to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of options out there to find really cool gifts. My recommendation for you and a great place to start is over at decibelgeek.com. At decibelgeek.com you're gonna find two links. One link is our Amazon banner, and right next to that is a great banner for HK Collectibles Inc. And if you're going to do any kind of Christmas shopping last minute, you want to get somebody a really cool unique gift, that's really the place to start. Now you you don't want to waste no time because once you get there you're going to get lost in the galleries and the artwork and just the, the massive amount of amazing things that Daryl's got for sale. This week, I mean he's got those cool advertisements we keep telling you about suitable for framing stuff like cigarette ads alcohol ads, car ads and just so much more is available hundreds of items as well as classic concert tickets yeah. just all kinds of stuff over there that's the place to start especially if you're looking for something cool and unique mm-hmm, definitely. because let's face it nowadays you can go to the big box store and you can pick up something off the shelf i mean my son went and picked up a little gift for his little girlfriend the other night mm-hmm. and he's concerned because one he paid like 14 bucks for it <laughs> and he doesn't want to come off like a cheap him. <laughs> two, two he bought it at walmart
3: you yeah, know, and so he's
0: showing it to me, and I said, well, that's, you know, it's a cute bracelet and everything. You know, the only thing that sucks about that is if she happens to be in Walmart and looks down and sees that exact same bracelet on the shelf, now she knows you got it at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Two, she knows how much you paid for it. And three, you look like a chump.
3: She needs a framed ad for Marlboros from 1968.
0: Or some kind of old sexist ad from the 60s. Yeah, blatantly sexist. <laughs> blatantly sexist. sexist. Yes. Yes. But, you know, that's the thing, you know, and I tell him, oh, at least, you know, cross out on the back where it says, you know, sold at Walmart. Yeah, don't, you don't <laughs> want that. That's bad form. <laughs> but that goes for everybody. You know, you can go to Walmart or Target or wherever mm-hmm. and get a gift off the shelf and give it to somebody. And then two weeks later, they're in the They'll store and they see it on the shelf along with 50 other the exact same things. And they say, wow, what a unique gift.
3: Yeah, I feel special.
0: This person really, truly knows me mm-hmm. to walk into this store blind and just pick something off the shelf and say, here. Don't be that guy. Yeah, don't be that guy. You got to go to Amazon. You got to look around. You got to find out a little something about the person that you want to buy yeah, something find for. Find out what they like. Find out what they like. Type that into Amazon and, and look. And there's going to be all kinds of things that you can get them that are going to blow their minds. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to do your shopping on Amazon, which is recommended in this day and age, the only way to do it is by going to decibelgeek.com first and clicking on on our Amazon banner, which takes you right to Amazon. You do all your shopping like you normally would. When you're all done, you pay the price that you know you're supposed to pay because you don't pay a penny extra by going through our link. What Amazon does is they take a piece of their action, kick it on over to us because basically it's like a finder's fee. And Amazon is cool enough to let us do it and give us that link on our website so that you can help out the show without giving anything else except for an extra moment to go through our link.
3: Yeah. It's very cool. And you don't have to walk through some store and
0: deal with uh, people that smell and look. Exactly. Old. Awful. Yeah. Have you been in a Walmart lately? I have, unfortunately. So it's, it's terrible. It's not fun.
3: No. I'm scarred for life. Yeah. You I go just, to Amazon and look at stuff that I like.
0: All day long. All day long. HK Collectibles Inc., that's ours right there. Yeah. On top of all that What's really cool about it, and we like this a lot, especially this time of year, is that Amazon gives us the list. Yes, we get a
3: list of everything you purchase, and uh, no names or anything, but we get the list. And we've had a lot of stuff purchased. You guys have been great about doing your Christmas shopping through the link, And uh, a lot of different stuff. So just some of the more notable things. Clothes. Lots of leggings, shirts, pants, etc. A lot of clothes were bought this past week. That's cool. Uh, Wayne's World embroidered baseball hat was purchased.
0: Party on, Chris. Party
3: on, Aaron. Mm. <laughs> Come on, we're better than those guys. <laughs> Swing. <laughs> All right. Uh keyboard, mouse, and flash drive was bought. A 29 pack of CD jewel cases was bought. Right mm, on. Nice to see physical media still out there. Yeah. Six inch cleaver was bought. Hope oh, nobody p- hope my wife didn't buy that. <laughs> um the Washington Redskins plastic cups and gold visor. I mean Washington Football Club plastic cups and visor were bought. Uh-huh. A Lunar Telescope for Kids, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 movie poster was bought, Cool. a VTech click-and-count remote and baby phone was bought, and a Nintendo Selects Remix pack was bought.
0: That's cool. All kinds of people doing their Christmas shopping, Christmas gifts, holiday presents, all kinds of good stuff through our link. We appreciate it a and lot. And music. And music, of course. And, and
3: the music was bought, Motley Crue Shout of the Devil was bought. Heck yeah. Adore Christmas Songs of Worship. Glory in the Highest Christmas Songs of Worship. So you got both sides of the spectrum there. Yeah, you um, got to have that
0: Christmas music at this time of year. It's, uh,
3: Martina McBride Everlasting was bought. Okay. Uh, Eagles Hotel California 180 gram vinyl was purchased. Right on. Tom Petty in the Coliseum. Cool. And Kiss, Kiss Rocks Vegas. We sold co- a lot of copies of that through yeah. our. Thank
0: you, guys. A lot of cool people are getting that as a good gift for Christmas. It is a good gift for Christmas. Heck yeah couple of other things we wanted to let you know about yes. um you know we mentioned to our vips when we were talking to them before we recorded this that our good friend omid came up to louisville with us mm-hmm. and went to the lita ford concert with us and it was very very important to us to get omid in front of lita ford because yeah. he had something really cool omid is an author mm-hmm. and he is the definitive collector curator mm-hmm. and Master Historian of Everything, The Runaways. Yes. And he has written a book, which is... What's the title of the book?
3: It's going to be a three-volume set, and volume one just came out. It's called Secrets, an Illustrated Collector's Guide to the Runaways.
0: It's everything. I mean, this guy The first volume is... is
3: mostly, I think, audio audio artifacts like right. cds and tapes and eight tracks and all that stuff. so
0: if you were a collector of the runaways or you know even just a, a fan of the runaways this book is amazing i mean we put this book in front of bobby rock and he said what the fuck yeah that's he a direct was, quote direct quote because he was so blown away by how cool it is so if you know anybody that loves the runaways loves lita ford joan jett sherry sherry you know any of that You gotta, you got to get this book. You gotta see it. It's amazing. So yeah, we'll put a link to that
3: book in the show notes, and you can go and buy that because it's, uh, it's well worth your money. We got to look at it up close. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. Um, And also, I want to give a plug to our friend Victor Ruiz, who for a while now has been doing developing this awesome website. Called Ear Peeler. Yeah. And like, you know, a lot of you rock fans and metal fans, you go to Blabbermouth for your rock news or Brave Words for your rock news, and that's kind of all encompassing. And every once in a while, those websites will throw podcasters like us a scrap and, right. you know, share our link on their thing.
0: It's funny how that works because there's been times that I've thought for sure we've had a guest that said something wild that uh-huh. Blabbermouth would go crazy over and they wouldn't run with it. And nothing. Yeah. Not even nothing. And, and then other times where I don't even think twice about it, and sometimes they do. It's, right. it's hit and miss. And podcasting is its own form of media now. So right. it's,
3: it's more than just what Blabbermouth reports on. We will not be ignored. So Earpeeler was set up as a supplement to all of the other great news sites that cover mostly hard rock and metal and brings you news on a frequent basis. Right. Although they do veer off into other directions on a daily basis, bringing you other styles of music, sci-fi, and wrestling shows, the main focus is rock-based music. Since podcasts have been growing at a tremendous rate, it's almost impossible for the classic sites to keep up with every show out there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where Ear Peeler comes in, helping bring attention to all the hardworking podcasters, bloggers, and radio shows that are out there interviewing your favorite artists. It's a one-stop shopping site to allow you to catch up on your favorite bands, shows, and anything else you might want to check out while on the website. And he's... he's shared links pretty much every single episode we've done yeah. and a lot of our friends that host shows too so guys i mean if you really want to keep up with you know who's appearing on what podcasts and what themes the podcasts are covering that for music stuff earpeeler.com is where you want to go absolutely and we are 100 percent in support of this site because podcasters like us we need sites like this and victor is a podcaster himself hosts a great show called mars attacks right so this guy's heart is in the right place he's not looking to capitalize or just be the the blabbermouth guy or whatever right he's really doing it out of out of love for what we and a lot of others do so we highly encourage you to check out earpeeler.com
0: definitely check out earpeeler absolutely
3: so we got uh, Party on victor absolutely so we got more uh tour bus tales to get into let's hit the road
1: I drove for the band Corn for, uh, two years, 2002 to 2004. What were those guys like? Very, very turbulent times. Yeah. Love those guys. Huge, huge respect. Once again, uh, when I was a senior in high school, I was jamming to their stuff. Me too. And to get to tour with them was really cool and become good friends with them. Uh, all super great guys. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, I used to drive, I drove the crew the first time I went out with them and had a bad experience and, uh was actually asked to leave the tour. It didn't, it wasn't getting along with the higher ups, the tour manager, production manager people. So I was asked to leave the tour. I had a lot of guys, the, the crew guys that were riding my bus, that were just assholes. Yeah. They were giving me headaches every single day. And when I was fired from that tour, I really was not that sad about it. I was like, okay, that's fine. Kind of a relief. I'll yeah. go home. But a whole bunch of my friends were the drivers out there on it. Mm. And uh, they had a lot of money those years. So every band member had their own bus.
3: Yeah, they were kind of like the biggest metal band exactly. in the world at that time. That's true. Wow. Yeah, Untouchables
1: Tour, it yeah. was. They uh, Jonathan Davis came once again back to Florida to the bus ranch, you know, mm-hmm. where I was working at the time. Jonathan Davis came through there, and they weren't even on a tour, but he was just riding around on a bus with his driver getting lyrics for the new record.
0: Wow. So
1: yeah. he, would, he would be inspired traveling the country. So he came to Florida. They went and uh, did uh, some wild hog hunting. And, uh, so they just were having a good time and we were hanging out around the campfire down in Florida and Jonathan was just like, man, you're a really nice guy. I'd like to get you out on one of our corn tours one day. And I was like, well, I've already been there and done that. <laughs> and, uh, he was asking me, you know, what, what happened? What went down? And I, and I told him, I go, man, your crew guys were just absolute assholes to me. I had a terrible experience with corn. Mm-hmm. Jonathan was just horrified. He just said, well, man, we got to fix that. We got to make that right. Wow. And uh, Jose was one of our big bosses down there. And Jose said, I want this man on our next tour because mm-hmm. we're, we're going to fix things. And uh, we were going out and I, I went with him. I, and I drove uh, David Silvera, who was a drummer in Corn at the time. Super nice guy. Got along great with him.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Loves old school Metallica. Loves old school metal. Him yeah, and I man. would sit on the bus and just air drum songs. And that's <laughs> where we started bonding and getting along was our love of drumming and air yeah. drumming and talking drums and right. and yeah Dave was great great dude I, I know he wanted he's not in the band anymore and I know yeah. he, he wanted to come back and I don't think they would let him but. I wish
3: they'd let him come back because he he was a big part of that early sound
1: he, he was yeah. he, he absolutely is Ray Luzier is really really oh, he's great he's an incredible team. drummer yeah. but uh,
3: he's almost too good for the band
1: like, yeah I mean, I Samara like, has be, this like, snappy
3: hard. loose playing style right that almost makes them sound better yeah in, yeah. my, in my opinion
1: and, and you know and I hope just like the Nick Menza Mega thing I hope maybe they do it before it gets too damn late mm, you know right. David's healthy and he's playing again he's got, got new bands going on I keep up with him on Facebook and all
4: mm-hmm.
1: so uh, I would you know these guys that want to do these reunions man I just wish they would hurry up and yeah. let's do it let's not right. let what Nick happened to Nick Menza happen you know because you just never know that's you know, true man and then it's Nick, done Nick should have he should have been in Megadeth one more time. I, agree. I think so too. And I'd love to have seen that and I hope some of these guys take that as as a huge example. Let's yeah. let's do something so before with, it gets to be too late. With know.
3: like the Metallica Tour, they were going through a rough patch at that time internally, and then the corn when they were also. <clears throat> were you privy to some serious like fighting going on with the bands that you were driving? Yeah. Like, did you see blow ups happen?
1: Um, I never really outright saw him, but would hear things about him, uh, driving, uh, David Silvera's bus. I was never allowed to park next to Fildy's bus. There <laughs> really? was, there was tensions with him and Fildy. Um, huh. I was told by Dave and his entourage not to hang out with Fildy and his entourage. Well,
3: those two weren't getting along.
1: Yeah. So I never really got to know Fildy too incredibly well, but they did not get along. They had separate dressing rooms. There was, uh. Times when I would, a few, the few times I got to see them play live on that tour, David would be behind the drums jamming and Monkey and Head would come over and they'd just be jamming out. But every time Fildy would come over, David would be looking somewhere else. He would not be looking at Fildy. Cold shoulder. Totally. And there was one night, him and Fildy hung out and they were having a few drinks together and laughing and having a good time. And all the crew guys, it was like, um, kind of like, kids parents like after a divorce seeing their parents hanging back out together everybody's like excited about it yeah. like oh my god look did you see they're Look, they're out. hanging out they're yeah, having yeah, a good but... time this is great the tension might end yeah. exactly yeah and uh and it, and it was so it, it was so funny that night to me that, that was, well, so was cool. it a
3: one night type deal
1: yeah well i don't know but just... see like i said i never saw any yeah. of that go down I, I don't know what all of that went but down. i got
3: certain things like don't park next to so-and-so's bus that tells you where things stand with yeah. some... right
1: yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs> but, well and also they liked it was a summertime tour almost like work Tour style everybody would want to set up their grills or their picnic tables outside the buses yeah, yeah. so it's like if in his entourage are right here and then we're right here then we gotta be next to him right so let's just be about three buses down and then that way we'll totally keep our two parties that makes sense a- away from each other you know
3: what about the Metallica guys
1: you know I don't really know much about their internal things yeah. you know cause you you know you were not really around them very much Lars just spent a lot of time with us would yeah. even ride the buses a couple nights yeah uh, Hetfield was off doing his thing Hammett you know doing his thing uh, and that
3: was big as they were by that point they they didn't have to be around each other if they didn't want to anyway exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's not forced yeah. into it
1: and nowadays and not that I'm even around Metallica that much anymore but from what I've seen the last few tours I think they're so big now that their private jet I think does multiple trips and they all have their own entourages and
4: uh, like really?
1: carloads of cars so like and as far as I know, I guess they all still stay in the same hotels. I guess it ain't as bad as Motley Crue yet when four guys go to four different hotels really? when they yeah. get to the city. It was wow. that bad? Yeah, for Motley, yeah. Wow. Vince, <laughs> the, Vince <laughs> would never say it's That's so serious. does yeah. fuck-
3: don't even want to be in the same fucking building yeah. as you <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm going to see you for 90 minutes a night. Wow. It's going to be while we're on stage. That's, that's you know. some right. serious tension. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So who else is on the list yeah. there? I, I was uh, trying to think of some... Uh, Cool thing, we've kind of covered a lot of them. Uh, I did drive uh, Marilyn Manson, yeah, in 2012 on the the Twins of Evil tour, uh-huh. and um, had an absolutely
0: just terrible experience. <laughs>
1: really? <laughs> this... Yeah. Are you guys Manson fans? Did wow. you have mm. to
0: smoke somebody's bones or? Mm.
1: <laughs> no, 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 nothing
3: like that. A, bad. drink a goat's blood? Yeah, drink a, goat's blood. I'm, I'm. I mean, I've seen him live, and I like some tunes, but I wouldn't really say I'm a giant fan or anything. No, I, I'm not either. Yeah, and,
1: and definitely won't be now. But <laughs> so he, what happened? He, he just was a very, very difficult guy. You know, one of the things about my career is it's been really, really good. I've worked with a lot of really cool artists, and just a handful of bad experiences. Most have been really positive and good. But uh, one one of the bad ones uh, was Manson. He he, never really was rude or a jerk to me or anything. But he he was a handful. Yeah, very high maintenance. I thought his behavior to just be really outright childish. So um, what do you like his, throw
3: hissy fits about things?
1: Yeah, there was one night he got gotten got mad at his girlfriend. So he goes to the fridge like a little kid throwing a temper tantrum. He goes to the refrigerator and pulls out yogurts. And throws them on the floor of the bus, just busting them open. And uh Wow. Yeah, we it's were not in Sol- rock and roll. No, no. no. <laughs> we it's were in Salt Lake. City, and uh I come out to the bus and I find the yogurt on the floor and it's been there for several hours, so the yogurt has hardened yeah, to the hardwood floor. Smells. I had to scrape it up. Oh, yuck. And it was a real mess, and I was very frustrated. And uh I called my boss and I was like, he is just being terrible. He's, he's not very nice to the bus doing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And she goes, okay, charge him a hundred dollars for excessive cleanup. And his tour manager, time was Guy Sykes from Pantera. Man, yeah. Guy's like, no guy's, yeah, yeah. No Guy Sykes. Absolutely. Guy was the like tour manager. It. I was having to write him receipts all the time, chewing <laughs> gum in my carpet, yogurt on the floor, always breaking stuff. He punched out a TV on the tour before the one I did. Really? And I asked my boss, "Go, what do we charge him for that? And she yeah. goes, well, we didn't charge him anything because he had his guys remove the old TV and put a brand new one in it. Yeah. So, said, so we didn't charge him any damages because you know they he they fixed it. Me, yeah. yeah. And so she said we didn't charge him nothing for that one, but he just would have a real bad attitude at times, mood swings. God, the guy would go from being great to just yeah go off like that. And
3: uh, I guess I'm not surprised by that though.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He he. Uh,
3: yeah. He's, like you wouldn't think Marilyn Manson would be the most stable person there is.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wonder, I how come somebody that's been around as long as him not have their own bus driver by now? And then I found out because nobody wants to drive him. Yeah. So that's he why he doesn't have drive drive. Yeah, a bus driver. Yeah, he's That's thanks. exactly why. And I, I said, man, and then he's, he fired me and sent me home. Not for anything personal, but he bought an Apple TV uh-huh. uh, for the bus. And we could not get that sucker to work on the bus. I don't know if it was something about the electrical system or whatever. Right. But it would not work. I tried it. His assistant, Bobby Tongs from Pantera, another Pantera. Yeah. Tongs tried it. I tried we were all Manson himself. I held a flashlight for him while he got in there and plugged in it. It just was not working. Did he on have the his system. makeup
3: and everything on for that?
1: He kind of wore makeup all the time. It's just weird. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I never could get this this thing to work with this bus. So he was just like, oh, never mind, I'll figure it out later. So the next thing I find out is the next day he's got another bus sitting at the hotel we're pulling up at. And, uh, they were firing me and sending me home, which once again, I was very happy to get fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly it was a it blessing. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I was not upset at all. And I, I was actually glad to get sent, sent home from his tour. And, um, but, uh. But one one of the really cool things about Manson and Zombie that I do have to go back and tell you about was the first night of the tour was in Phoenix, and we were driving to Las Vegas. We get about halfway, and one of the other things about Manson I never really could understand was nobody never told me who belongs on this bus and who don't, because there were always guest riders that I did not even know who belonged on that bus and who didn't, okay, and uh, so we're on our first drive. And I'm leading the pack. I got our band bus and, uh, I think it might've been even been zombies bus behind us, but we were all three running together talking on the radio and, uh, Manson comes up front, opens the door, comes up there to me and goes, uh, can you pull over for a minute? She's got to get something out of the bay. And there's this girl, little bitty, tiny, little bitty Asian girl, mm-hmm. uh, real nice, real pretty girl. And I was like, okay, sure. So I pull into this little bitty gas station out in the desert somewhere and it's right about daylight. I get off the bus with my flashlight and I got her down there opening the bay and we're pulling bags out and she's got this little bitty boutique bag that's like in the middle of the bay I had to dig for it forever to get to it <laughs> and I was like that one she goes yeah that one the little blue bag and I grabbed the little blue bag and I hand it to her she opens it up <laughs> and she reaches in there and pulls out a vibrator <laughs> then she shuts the bag and she goes oh here you go put the you know like we're done and I was like seriously? Yeah. So I put all these bags back on the bus, and I get on the bus, and I tell the other bus drivers, okay, we're ready to go. And everybody goes, why the hell did we stop? All the other bus drivers on the CB are like, why did we stop? But I was like, I'll tell you all later when we get to Vegas.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: I'll tell you all later <laughs> when we get to Vegas while we had to stop. But, but Manson was, he, he was uh, high maintenance. He was a handful, and it was funny. A year later, I found myself driving Rob Zombie. Mm-hmm. Super nice guy. Yeah. I was having a conversation when I told Megan, well, I was with you last year on the, the Twins of Evil tour, and I was driving uh, Manson. He goes, oh, you're driving Manson himself? And he went, and I went, yeah. And Zombie just goes, oh, God. <laughs> he's, he's like hand on face, hand on forehead, like, oh, God. He knew exactly yeah, what I went through on that tour. Poor man. <laughs>
0: so,
1: to and, so, and so they got into it on that tour, and Zombie they, was right. glad to tell me the story, and he just said, man, I'd... I had made a fist with my hand, and he said, I was ready to knock that motherfucker out. Really? Yeah, and he said, but he had what his guys it? right there with him. He said, I knew he would, he well, would pounce on me. What did Manson do to yeah, How did all start you know. out? Something happened where a show had to get shortened so they wouldn't let Manson play his closing number, which was Beautiful People. He had to cut it completely or they were going to be in curfew. Yeah. yeah. Somehow or another, backstage, he was pitch, pissing a hitchy about it. Or pissing a hitchy hitching a pissy about it uh, yeah and zombie was right there and mm-hmm. apparently it got on zombies right zombie told me because i made a fist with my hand, <laughs> and i was ready to knock him the fuck out wow and, uh, yeah uh, but he he when i told him i was driving manson last year he, uh, oh god <laughs> so for the record with manson it's not an act <laughs> He he lives up to it pretty darn yeah. good. He told me that too the first day. He just said, uh, "I'm a rock star and uh, I live up to it." And nah, he does. Like he him. really does. Well, I guess at least at he's
3: least up front about it. Stays true to himself. That's I true. <laughs> That's true. So who yeah. else is on the on the list here? You know,
1: we've covered a, a whole lot of it, really. Yeah. Uh,
3: all right. So and you, but you've done stuff with other groups, and you mentioned that you have an interesting story about a rap group that you drove. There,
1: there was a rap group, but yeah, I probably uh, wouldn't name this rap group. But they, they were associated with uh, Dmx, you know, the rapper Dmx. What you really want? That yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were associated with him. We were doing a tour. We were out on Long Island, and uh, had just left a show, and the guys wanted to stop at a gas station right off the Long Island Expressway there. So we pull the bus off the expressway to go in, and uh, we go into this little B gas station in the middle of the night. Like, all ten guys from my bus go into this gas station, and they are just outright looting the place. Yeah. I mean, they are grabbing everything off the shelves, all the candy bars out of the aisles, potato chips, drinks. They're just Mm -hmm. grabbing it and going. And the man in there behind the counter obviously he didn't have a gun or he'd be blowing him away but he's on the phone he's i'm sure he's, he's calling, the, calling the police yeah you know? and i was like Oh crap! Because I was going to the store to buy something to drink, I was like, now I'm caught in the middle of this. Oh crap!
3: Suddenly you're a getaway driver.
1: I get back in the bus and I drove away so slow because I was expecting to get pulled over any second now. And
3: they they tell you to
1: floor DMX's it. DMX's personal bus, which had the exact same matching paint scheme as ours, was pulling into that gas station as I was pulling. No. Out. <laughs> I called the driver and I said, don't don't stop, don't even let them off. My guys just looted the hell out of that place. We're all going to jail tonight. Oh, wow. I got back on the Long Island Expressway, and we <laughs> never heard a peep out of the police. What? If they showed up that night, they obviously showed up way too late. Wow. This was uh, in probably about February of 2000, so hopefully we're past any statute <laughs> of limitations. <laughs> you All are. Right. Well, and... The, That's wild. But I did not support that. That was a terrible thing no, for I those did, guys to do. And and I,
3: I don't think it I, was... I, yeah, I, I don't think it was a rap group or anything, but I used to work for 7-eleven in Kansas City, and that would happen right not just to me, but to like all the gas stations up there regularly. You'd have groups of guys that would run in, grab shit, and then just run out. Man, and it, and and I learned as a, I'm just a, getting paid eight bucks an hour. I'm like, I'm not running after any of you guys. I'm not so, getting so, my Yeah, I'm not gonna. Out. I'm not gonna oh, get yeah. shot over this. Yeah, and. If you, do, and you know, you have to call the cops because it's theft. So the cops would have to come mm-hmm. do a report. The cops don't show up for, like, an hour and a half when they get those kind
1: of calls. Because that's oh, like, yeah.
3: way low on their priority
1: list. I'm sure. So you're that's right. why y'all got away. Because
3: yeah. cops are like, fuck that.
1: We'll be there in two hours. Yeah. And out in yeah. Long Island, another not intelligent part of this was we were doing this whole tour across the country. But for some reason, we, had, we were at Nassau Coliseum that night out on Long Island. Mm-hmm. We went around on our whole tour, and a month later, we were back at Nassau Coliseum. Really? So we were me and the other bus drivers. Like, you think about it, just pull back into that same gas station, just park the bus, <laughs> let the guys, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guys wake up there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So all your, all your years of driving, I'm sure you've seen some pretty wild things. What's maybe the craziest thing? Like somebody's ever come to you as you were driving and said that you just been like, "Holy shit." Anything jump out, eh? I'm trying to think. Not...
3: Manson asking you to stop to get a vibrator.
1: <laughs> well, he didn't say that, but I found out. That's what they needed to stop. What we needed to stop a whole bus for on a tour. Um, wow, I'm trying to... i trying to think. That's, that's actually a very good question. You kind of stumped me with that. Yeah. One. I can't really think. But I do have a good story for you guys. Danzig. I did a tour with him. Yeah. And, uh... We were in Washington D.C. at a club called the National, which I don't think that menu's around anymore. But we were there. This was 2002, <laughs> and uh, we had just en- the show had just ended, and they all <laughs> were out. And uh, Manson's assistant, a guy named Dougie, comes up to me and goes, "Hey man," or excuse me, not Manson, Danzig's assistant. Uh-huh. He comes to me and goes, "Hey man, can you get Glenn some bus some music going on, on the bus? He-, he wants some music out there." And I was like, well, yeah, the stereo's working fine, okay. So I ran out there to see what the problem was, and Glenn's like, yeah, man, can you get some music on? I was like, yeah, okay. So I come up on the bus, and as I take a few steps into the front lounge of the bus, I see there's two girls on the front lounge couch 69 in each other. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so I, I get the CD, which was actually the Philip Anselmo first Super Joint Ritual CD was what he wanted me to play. Yeah. Um, so that was the CD I got. We put it in. We got the music going. And I said, okay, now I need to get out of here and let him have his time with these girls. And uh, so I get to see there and go, okay, you guys are all set, I'm out of here. I'm just going to leave and... Glenn puts his hand on my chest and goes, wait a minute, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and then Joey Castillo, his drummer at the time, y'all remember, he went to Queens what? of the yeah, Joey okay. is at the table eating a bowl of Cheerios like this, just watching, watching those it? girls wow. while he's eating a bowl of Cheerios. It's another
3: day on tour. <laughs> that's,
1: that's rock and roll for you. Wow.
3: That's, that's awesome. Rock and roll.
1: You're sitting there thinking you're interrupting. He's like, no, no, don't leave. Watch Yeah, watch. yeah. He's like, yeah, I want you to watch this. <Yeah>. That's probably one of the one of the wildest things I've ever really. I gotta think seen you've seen, seen some bunch.
3: naked girls running up and down the the galley a few
1: times. That's a good. few here and there, but yeah. you know what? Really, probably not as nope. much as you would think. Okay. Yeah. Nowadays it's all in check, and then I just you know spent seven years with the band 311, and I was driving the two married guys.
3: No. Okay. Yeah. So we
1: would leave Something right after really the show. There wasn't no fun. Like yeah. I would I would run around and find a few girls and give out some phone numbers like here call us next time we're in town you know handle right. my business card to a few girls but yeah but no my, so was, my guys were good we, we would roll right after the gigs most nights and, so
3: that was a case of the two guys in the bag we really got to watch out for this bus driver he's getting too crazy
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah they probably are this, this guy's something else the, the first time i i drove those guys i had been with them a couple of days and uh they, they told me one day they're like we're kind of bothered by something with you. And I was like, Oh yeah, what is it? What what can I do? What can I do to make this better? And they were like, well, I mean, it's not really your fault or anything you've done. We're like, we're a little worried because this is the first time we ever had a bus driver younger than us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was like, Oh, okay. I see. (laughs) <laughs> you know, huh. They were like, "No, I nothing." Mean, I the first time we've ever had one younger than
0: us. You know, uh-huh. usually
1: they're old dudes that
0: right don't so know anything about. The us. problem's not you. It's yeah. oh man, we're getting old. So I was like, yeah. "Welcome, middle age, guys." Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but they they were great. We had a great relationship with those with those guys. I drove those guys for seven years. Mm. Still text back and forth with them a lot. I haven't worked for them the last year or two, but uh, still in, in communication and great terms. with Everybody, it was. Just my company ran out of buses for them. You know, buses mm-hmm. get really busy in the summertime, and their tour manager at the time he had called in to book buses, and I guess it was just too darn late, and we were booked up. So, so what's
3: the day? What's the day like in the life of doing that? Because, like, you know, you hear about the cruise setup and stuff. So, like, what hours are you driving and getting to where you're going, and all? That? How does that? On mean?
1: most days, my average work day. Uh, when driving a crew bus, it, it varies between crew and band. Yeah. Because crew usually goes straight to the venue to set up. Band buses will go to a hotel or come to the gig later so in the day. When does a
3: crew sleep? Because, like, they they break down the show and then load up yeah. and then go straight to the venue
1: and unload again. Exactly. So, you're most of the time crew members get to sleep between about 1 and 5 a.m. Oof. They, uh, Buses, you know, crew buses usually will roll about 1 or 2 in the morning after the guys get the stuff torn down and take a shower. They jump on the bus, go to bed. The guys will usually drive and get them into the next city by 5 or 6 in the morning and then come usually 7 a.m. or so. It's chalking out the floor, loading loading in the show, start setting it up and go. I guess they sleep during the show sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. I guess, if they get all their stuff Just set them. up in time and don't Jeez. have no problems, they might can squeeze a little afternoon nap, you know. It uh, takes a rare breed of person to do that job. It totally does. Yeah. Band, band buses <laughs> sometimes are different. Like a, a band like Megadeth, who I've been with most of the year, uh, they're a band with a lot of money and very well established, so they can do hotels every day. They're right. a band that can afford to go to a hotel every day. So we would, and... With Megadeth, very, very nice hotels, usually yeah. the mm-hmm. really luxurious ones in town, the Ritz-Carlton's or the and Four Seasons. They're
3: or, covering your room and everything?
1: Totally. Yeah, I stay in the same hotels they do. Uh, we Megadeth is one of the bands that's really good about advancing their bus parking, so we, were, we would have street permits or we would get to park at the hotel every day. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes tour managers and bands can't afford that, because I know that's very expensive, but... It's a luxury that luckily we have with Megadeth, but a lot of bands, you know, like. So
0: you gotta figure out where to park the bus? Right, like if, if
1: you're staying at the Four Seasons in San Francisco, you're not parking a bus anywhere close to right? that, so, yeah. and yeah. that don't matter who you are, you're not getting a, super President Trump, you're not even getting a bus park permit for now that, So what you do is I have to drop them off and then we go park at the baseball stadium there,
3: mm-hmm.
1: or gotta, yeah, the buses have to go away, there's no bus parking almost anywhere in San Francisco. Wow. So you're just yeah. catching, like, shuttles over back to the hotel. Yeah, right? just yeah. grab a cab and park the bus and go. Or Yeah. Or sometimes we have, on gig days, we'll have a runner that's assigned, a person that's assigned to take us to a store or the hotel or mm. wherever we need to go, you know.
3: Right on. Um, now have so. you had any, like, near-death experiences driving, like, you know, driving on ice or, you know, Wheels coming off the bus or anything like that?
1: Well, I tell you, as a matter of fact, when I was driving Danzig in summer of 2002, I was involved in a fatal crash. You were. I had a man uh, run a red light and slam into the side of our bus as we were going through an intersection. Wow. And I I did not even see the car coming, but I, I heard uh, the skidding of brakes. I heard, boom, and I felt the impact, but... Mm-hmm. I wasn't hurt. It was just like this, just a little rock, you know, on yeah, the bus. Yeah. The bus and uh, I look in the mirror, and I see this car bouncing off the side of the bus, and I can see the man in the driver's seat, like, pretty much immediately looked like he was going into convulsions. Oh, no. So, uh, so I called 911 within five seconds of yeah. the accident, and the front of his car started sparking and catching on fire so I had to pull through the intersection and get the bus because I thought his car was fixing to go up yeah. inferno. There was a couple of motorists that got out of their cars to help him get out of his Yeah. and uh, and I, I even went over and I talked to the man. I, I saw him on the sidewalk and uh, I told the guy, I said, hey, I've called 911. I got help coming and all. Hmm. And he laid there and the police came. Uh, we did the report. I gave them all the insurance information and all that. Then the police come back to me 10 minutes later and they're like, uh, don't go nowhere yet because we're not done here and uh, he's going into cardiac arrest right now so he might not make it this might be a whole different investigation yeah, if he dies and becomes Yeah. and I was like oh okay really the guy's like yeah and the guy comes back just a few moments later he goes yeah he was DOA didn't even make it to the hospital oh, and man. I was blown away by it because <laughs> I went over there and talked to the guy yeah I was totally blown I was like oh man this is like a bad dream totally. or something you know yeah, totally so yeah I had to go downtown and give a full statement to the police A very ironic thing about this, when I was giving them my driver's license off of the statement, was the guy was like, wow, this is really strange. And the guy had his driver's license. He just said, y'all have the exact same birthday, except he was born one year to the day older than I was. The guy that that hit me was born on the same day one year earlier. I'm born in 76. He was born in 75. That's that's bizarre. That's very strange, yeah. That, yeah. that blew me away. That makes you wonder about, like, fate and yeah. things
3: like that. Yeah. yeah. What are the odds?
1: And that and that brings us to something we call a ghost bus. Okay. If there's ever a fatality or somebody dies on a bus, it's, it becomes a ghost bus. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, Dave, Dave Mustaine was telling me that he used to ride on the bus Scott Weiland died on. Wow. And, uh, and I thought he was wrong because I had heard about the bus that Scott Weiland had died on. Mm. And... Uh, So I made some calls to some people, and I know the driver that was driving him when that happened, and I found out, actually, Dave Mustaine was right. That was the bus he used to ride on. Okay. So I was like, oh, wow, Dave was right. And I thought Dave had it mixed up, but he he didn't. He was right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Never heard the term ghost
1: bus. (laughs) Ghost bus is a term, yeah, you will hear out there from time to time. If somebody dies on a bus, or I heard the the Shannon Hoon bus was another ghost bus. Yeah. Dave Williams Dave the Williams pool. that's what I was drowning thinking pool. of he I met that guy box. that drove him uh, I think his name was Kevin but he was driving Snoop Dogg and we were out with 311 when we were touring together and he was telling me he was the he was the drowning pool dude and oh, I was wow. like oh wow that's wild yeah mm. so uh who's who would be your uh,
3: you drove for Metallica you drove for Megadeth who, who, who's on your bucket list of people to drive
1: Oh man. You know, one of the things and of course this is another one that'll never ever happen now, but I was always a huge Pantera fan. Yeah. Going back and seeing their old home videos that a lot of guys I was watched. gonna say
3: if you've seen those videos, are you sure you'd want to drive?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you ready to be filmed new to the I, shower and all that? I, I know a lot of guys of course touring, you know, then was different, but I know a lot of guys that toured for them and they said it was always fun. My friend Tooker had, when Dirt Devil vacuum cleaners first came out, they were very expensive. Yeah. And a a bus driver buddy of mine Tooker Hurst, who drove Monkey for corn the years I was with corn, but Tooker drove Pantera back in the day, and he said, Dimebag took his brand new Dirt Devil vacuum cleaner Uh and tied it by the cord to the trailer hitch of a bus, (laughs) and they followed it down the interstate, filming it all night, this vacuum cleaner just banging down the road behind this bus, all night, until when they got to town the next morning, the only thing left was the cord hanging off the bumper. But oh. <laughs> they, they just always did stuff like, crazy stuff like that. Like, you know, they just I'm like, man, those guys would have been so fun to have toured with. Yeah,
3: you would never be bored working with those guys, that's for sure.
1: That's true. Pan, Pantera was uh, something else. <laughs> that that would have been, yeah, that would have really been some. Okay. I'm a huge fan of Volbeat. I yeah. love those guys. And, yeah. As you notice by my car, I have a Volbeat. The Tennessee vanity plate. Uh,
3: yeah, you look like the, like you're driving like the car that is for the fan club or
1: something. I was like, <laughs>
3: all beat license plate, all yeah. beat stickers. I'm like, this is
1: badass. <laughs> I, I got into those guys in 2010. I, I heard their song "Fallen" on XM. Yeah, immediately fell in love like a little kid again I did with too. Metallica. Yep. Yeah. I have their I have their posters on my wall. I went and like a little kid, I went and saw them live and I was hanging out by the bus so I could meet and get to know the guys. And I've got to meet them and know them a little bit through the years now. I just mm-hmm. absolutely adore the hell out of that band. They yeah. just, all their records, music is just super tight. Songwriting oh, yeah. as
3: well. Yeah,
1: and Michael I mean, Polson, one of the best voices I've heard. I mean, he absolutely. is even better live than he is on record. He's one of those very rare vocalists I've seen that carries it. Even better live. Yeah. He doesn't record. Right on. He nails it. They they are just a band that I'm super excited about. Yeah. You know, they say music is the fountain of youth, and I swear I felt like I was 17 again when I first started getting into that band. I I, I had to wear their shirts. I had to have their posters on my wall. I did not get into the paraphernalia,
3: but musically, they're as close as I've come to, like, falling in love with a band again. Like, musically, to where, like, you know, like, the hair on your arm stands up on certain songs. and Oh, man. And actually, and I think, you know, not to turn this into a love fest for Fall Beat, but... The, That's all right
1: about me. But, the, yeah,
3: like, the, the new album they put out this year is just one of the, maybe the best thing they've
1: done. That's my personal number one for the year. And, yeah. Uh, it is maybe
3: yeah. mine and uh and also you know once uh Caggiano got brought into the band as the lead player I was like stepped
1: it up to another level I was level. like
3: this is really gonna make them better cause I loved him and Anthrax so Me yeah, too. Uh, having him at and he's a killer fucking guitar player so yeah I was really happy to hear yeah. that
1: he came to Nashville to record uh in 2013 with a band called Angel Mary and the Tennessee Whirls yeah. I've guys? heard of him I haven't yeah. listened to them yet he came out to Hendersonville where I live mm. and uh our friend Chad Lee, y'all know Chad. Oh, yeah, yeah we had him on the show a couple Chad times. Chad had let me know Rob was in town, so we went down to Robert's on Broadway uh-huh. and just had a big night hanging out with Caggiano, but the funny thing was the Volby record, "Outlaw Gentlemen and Shady Ladies, had mm-hmm. just came out, and uh, and I had it, and I'd ordered it on vinyl from Amazon, and it showed up in the mail that day. Oh, wow. So I took it down to Robert's that night, and Rob was like, where did you get this? And I was like, well, it was just the Amazon thing, and he goes... I've not seen this on vinyl yet. Do you mind if I check this out? What? So Rob's like it album. Opening, looking at it. Yeah, he, did, he, hadn't, he hadn't seen the copy. All right, uh. And I was like, man, as long as you sign it, you do whatever you want to with it. And he, he signed it for me. And he was totally like a little kid pulling out all the stuff and saying, wow, oh, this is cool. And I was like, how cool is that? That's I got to awesome. show it to Rob for the, the first time. You
0: got to see him see it for the first time. Absolutely. That's I, awesome.
1: I went to uh, carried that vinyl to a couple of shows. It took me a couple of shows to get it all get knocked awesome. out. But yeah. got everybody to sign it. I got it framed it on my wall just like your beautiful framed stuff here yeah so yeah I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan all about it i definitely think that's my record of the year for 2016 it's yeah, a damn good one seal the deal and let's boogie yeah i i was a huge fan of the new anthrax record i thought yeah. that was killer this
3: year for mm-hmm. all kings we differ on that but okay
1: metallica put out <laughs> I love a the, I solid like record metallica did so good testament's
3: yeah. new one's great too yeah yeah you
1: know Metal Church released a great album this year.
0: Suicidal.
1: Megadeth released Megadeth. a great album. Yeah. Slayer, just on the tail of 15, released a great album. It, it's exciting times for metal fans right now. Yeah, it, it is. There's some good stuff going it's on. It's been a
0: real year for thrash
3: metal, for it sure. Really yeah, it's, last year was more of a yeah. rock and roll year. This year, metal has kind of come to the forefront. It seems yeah, like yeah. Every,
1: all my favorite bands that we were all talking about 2015 how everybody was laying low it was like because everybody was recording at the same time right yeah. and then 2016 bam it like everybody finally their stuff yeah. is coming out
3: and i know there's a new overkill one on the way too Overkill. Yeah. i'm
1: a huge life of agony fan they yeah. got one that was a little bit delayed but it's going to be out in early 2016 or 2017 i'm super excited to hear their new record
3: yeah that's cool yeah. so uh, do, are you lined up to drive anyone else or you just want to break right now you
1: know right now i'm going to drive uh, we're uh next weekend doing a thing was that brown band in uh, gatlinburg i think it must be a benefit or something for the wildfires. yeah uh right now next year is looking wide open i don't really have anything on the books for sure that i know of uh had a great relationship with dave and i imagine uh, when they're done recording probably towards the second half of the year i imagine megadeth will probably be back on the road i hope to maybe roll with dave and the guys again that'd be cool uh yeah absolutely uh Those guys were very, very good to me. I definitely hope to roll with them again. Uh, I drove Nickelback in 2015. Okay. It's been nice having you on the show, Jeremy. Super nice guys. (laughs) Great to work for. I'm sure they're nice guys. They pay really well and pay per diem. Make good money. Yeah, Yeah. and I think they're going to roll in the States sometime this year. I hear Manson might tour next year. I'm just saying. Well, uh, I don't know who we can call for that, but uh, we'll try to find a new driver somewhere. You wish him all the best. He's going to get the bus driver that's brand new next year. That's who he'll Yeah, get. he's going to have his new driver yeah, next yeah, year. Yeah, a new driver because uh, anybody else that's been around uh, won't touch him. It's
3: the Marilyn Manson curse for bus drivers. <laughs> yeah. It's a trip. Well, man, it's been it's been great having you over to talk. Guys, about thank you yeah. for having
1: me. We've been talking about doing this for a couple of years yeah. now, and I'm glad uh, our schedules all worked Absolutely. out. We can finally do it. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. That's fine. you guys uh, have interviewed a lot of my friends before. Share Bach. Yeah. Yeah. Grew up in the CBGB scene of New York. Cher's a buddy of mine. Oh, we love Cher. She yeah. used to be one of my neighbors out in Hendersonville. Oh yeah. Hang out. Yeah. And Josh Toomey, I grew up with, talked to me.
3: Yeah. That uh, guy, he's his, that guy's going places with that podcast. He's, he's
1: doing, doing, good. doing I, good. I'm trying to help him out. Uh, Dave Lombardo was out on this last tour that I did with Megadeth the Suicidal tendencies, And mm. I talked to Dave and, uh, catering one day. I said, my buddy's got a podcast and he, he's expressed a lot of interest in, uh, getting you on his show. Uh, what can we do? And he goes, Well let me give you my publicist email. So uh Dave gave me some info to pass on to Josh. So I hope he gets Lombardo. I know hey, he's working on him, so I hope he gets cool. Lombardo.
3: Cool. Oh, I'm gonna have to bug you for certain people the yeah. info also. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you put in the
1: good word high.
0: with us with Dave.
1: Yeah, okay. Hey, he's a Nashville guy now. Right uh, yeah, we'll we, would be, we would be we would be
0: honored to talk to him. You so. can tell him you came over here, everything was cool, you survived. I I sure will. We got some beer to drink yeah, in his yeah, honor. <laughs> that's beer. true.
1: Absolutely. Maybe he'll uh, help plug the beer. Maybe he'll bring you a whole case of it since I just only brought a bottle. We
3: we could make it the official beer of the Decibel Geek podcast, even. That's right.
0: If you don't know about it, brand new Megadeth beer, 4.5% alcohol. It's called a Toulamand. A So, Well, thanks for doing it. Come back again Hey, guys,
1: I've totally enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. I hope maybe in 10 or 15 more years of bus driving I'll have a bunch of more stories. stories. And of all the artists you've You've
3: uh, driven, uh, pick one song by one artist you've driven to to play us out today.
1: One song by one artist. Wow, that's a really, really good (laughs) question. I love when I put people on the spot. Yeah. Just, uh, Just put
0: them on the spot and be like, pick one song. Pick one.
1: One song of all the bands we talked about today. Something you think people
3: should hear that
1: they might not know about. We like deep tracks here. Deep tracks. Okay, um... Wow, you guys really put me on the spot.
0: <laughs> While well, he's thinking, I'd just like to say, Dave Mustaine, we'd really love to have you on the show, man. We really would. If you ever find the time, we're right here in Nashville. We'd love to have you.
1: Speaking of Uncle Dave, how, how about we we leave with Uncle Dave? Let's song? do it.
0: Sounds perfect. Well,
1: okay, let's see. I how about one I've been trying to play on my drums at home lately? The how about "Sweating Bullets"? All nice. right. Nice. How about back to 1992, "Countdown to Extinction," track number five, "Sweating Bullets." See you next week.
5: Meet the real me In my misfits' way of life A dark black past is my Most valued possession sight is always 2020 But looking back, it's still a bit fuzzy Speak of mutually assured destruction Nice story Talk to me, gotcha! Feeling paranoid too Subdue, but never tame. It. it gives me a migraine headache. Sinking down to your level. Yeah, just keep on thinking it's my fault, and stay an inch or two at a kicking distance. Mankind has got to know his limitations. Across the talking to myself a credit to dementia someday you too will know my pain and smile it's black tooth grin if the war inside my head won't take a day off i'll be dead my icy fingers claw your back here i cool again